Now we continue in 1 Samuel. Now we come to chapter 9. Let us turn our Bibles to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel. Sorry, chapter 8. My apologies, 1 Samuel chapter 8. Now we continue from verse 10. Now we saw last week, the children of Israel went to, um, especially the eldest, they went to Samuel and, well, insisted that they appoint, uh, Samuel appoint a king over them. Now they kept wanting a king at this point. Now what is the problem? We knew in their heart that, well, last week we learned they were not sincere. They, they said, oh, you are old, Samuel. Your children are corrupt, so give us a king. Give us a king. Well, the bottom line of their problem was revealed by God. Now look at verse 7. Verse 7, God says, they have rejected me that I should not reign over them. The bottom line problem was not Samuel is old, not, was not the children of Samuel are, are corrupt, but because they did not want God's authority over them anymore. God as king over them means they have to obey his commandments. They have to serve him. That was the real problem in their hearts. Now, what motivated this? What is the sin behind all this whenever we say, Lord, I do not want to obey your commandments. Lord, I do not want um, your word. It, it is too restrictive. Lord, I don't want you to rule over me. Lord, I do not want a church. I do not want pastors. I do, want, do not want parents that control me. Now, what is one of the key underlying problem that drives us to that? And if we are honest, I think many of us will say, well, deep in our hearts, yes, we buck against God very often. When we hear certain commandments, when we hear certain um, um, way of living that God wants us to, to live in or not do certain things, not be certain things, we struggle. We do not want God to tell us we don't like to be judged. Now here we are going to see, and I hope we learn for ourselves, very often what is it that motivates us to be like that? Now first, let's look at chapter 8. And Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that asked, him, asked of him a king. So God gave some things for Samuel to tell them. God said, do protest to them, all right? In verse 9, um, do protest to them. And God says, now tell them these things. What were these? From verses 11 to 17, God told Samuel to tell them what kind of king will rule over them. What kind of king that they want as a result what they will go through. And as we have read just now, these were not pleasant things, all right? Not pleasant at all. Look at verse, verse 11. Now, this is the kind of king that will rule over you. He will take your sons and make them and this for himself. Then look verse 12. He will appoint him and then he will set them. And he, again in verse, verse 13, he will take your daughters to do this and that for him. Then verse 14, he will take your fields and your vineyards, even the best of them. Then verse 15, he will take the tenth of your seed. And then verse 16, he will take your manservant, your maidservant, even the goodliest of young men and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your sheep and, shall, and ye shall be his servants. A bleak picture, all right? It's like being enslaved all over again and being forced to give things away. Not a good picture at all. But what was their reaction? Now let us look at verse 18. And ye shall cry out in that day because of your king. You see, God says, you will be sorry. Now normally when you hear all, this, all these serious consequences and say, you will be sorry. Well, some of us, hopefully, we will say, Lord, sorry. Sorry that I even asked that. But what was their response? Now, look at verse 19. Nevertheless, nevertheless, God says, no matter what has been told to them and warned, nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. You know, the voice of Samuel is the voice of God, right? Because God said, tell this to them. They refused 
to obey the voice of Samuel. And look at the response in verse 19. Nay, no, no, no. But, but, we will have a king over us. No, no, Samuel. Right? Sometimes parents, you tell your child, if you want this, this is what's going to happen to you and you will be sorry. No, daddy and mommy, no, I don't care. No, I want it. No, whatever you say to me, no, I'm not going to listen. I just want this. Give it to me. Now, that was their response. No, Samuel. No matter what you say, we, have not, we will not change our mind. We want this. We want this. Now, what is it that drove them so hard to say, we want a king. We do not want God to rule over us. Whenever we have that in our hearts, we don't want such a strict religion. We don't want to learn all these things that I have to obey. What is one of the key driving factors? Well, we see from their very own mouths in verse 20. Look at verse 20. Now, that, ah, that, the purpose clause. That, this is why we are asking it, Samuel, that we also may be like all the nations. Ah, that is the real bottom line driving factor. We also, that we also may be like all the nations. Ah, the title today is Be Like the World. And be sorry. God said, you will be sorry. But they still say, we want to be like other nations. We don't care. Whatever you say, we just want to be like them. Now, the bottom line driving, motivating factor very often in our hearts, when we don't like to obey God, is because we want to be like the world. Be like the world. Worldliness. God wants us. They would be friends of the world. It means you want to be like the world. You want, to, you want to have their ways. You want them to like you. It's enmity with God. It's, it's enmity with God. That was the bottom line problem. Wanting to be like the world is what will cause them to miss the blessing of God. You will be sorry. I have only good thoughts towards you. I've always ruled you with love. I've always helped you. I was always there for you when you turn back and repent and ask me for help. Well, the Christian is the same. When you want to be like the world, you will miss. You will miss God's goodwill. You will miss God's plan. You will miss all the blessings that God intends for your life. You will still say, no, Lord, no. I want these things. I want these things. Now, what must we learn from that behavior that we may watch our own lives so that we don't miss God's blessing? Will you use M-I-S-S to help us remember? So every time we say, Lord, I'm beginning to love the world. Why? Then we think of M-I-S-S. Don't miss God's good, preceptive will, God's good plan for you. Now, what is the M? What is the M? Now, first and foremost, was it wrong for Israel to want a king? Well, those of you who remember when we studied the book of Deuteronomy. Now, God made it very clear. When thou art come, Deuteronomy 17, 14, when thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee and shalt possess it, and shalt doubt therein, and thou shalt say, I will set a king over me, like as all the nations that are about me. God says, you will ask for a king. But God, from verse 15 onwards, made it very clear. Thou shalt in any wise set king over thee. See, God says, yes, you will have a king over you, but God says, I will be the one who choose, whom the Lord God shall choose. And then he gave a whole long list of what kind of king they are supposed to desire. All right? So it was not wrong for them to ask for a king. Don't be mistaken. In fact, in Genesis 17, 6, God told Abraham, Now I will make thee exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. You see, among God's people, there will be kings. So it was not the problem of asking a king. Now the M is the motivation. What was their motivation for wanting a king? Their motivation is 
I want to be like other nations. I want to be like them. They made it very clear that this is the reason why. The issue was not wanting a king. Now, there are things in this life that are not sinful. But the motivation behind it is what is going to drive us to say, Lord, I do not want to obey you. Lord, please get out of my life. It's the motivation. Israel was supposed to be a light for God. The reason why God took Israel out of the land of Egypt, and he made it very clear to them, I will take you out, I will form you to be a people. And the reason why I will form you to be a people, although you are a stiff-necked people, is I intend for you to be a light, a witness for me in the world. Now, in other words, the purpose of God is this, for Israel. I take you out of Egypt so that when you obey me, other nations are supposed to be like you. You are supposed to help other nations to come to know me and then they will be like you who is like me. So instead of other nations, they were supposed to help other nations to become like them. They wanted to be like other nations. Now that is the problem with us today as well. We are supposed to be a light to the world. But instead, we want to be like the world. A very sad state for Israel. Now, Israel was supposed to be a spiritual nation. What did they want to be? Look at your Bibles, all right? Chapter 8, chapter 8. Look at verse 20. That we may also be like, like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Now, what are they really saying? What are they really saying? We do not want God to rule over us. We want kings like the world to rule over us and to judge us, to go out before us, to fight our battles. They wanted to be like other nations, merely political. That is all. Nothing religious here. In fact, we do not want a priest to, to judge us. When priests judge us, means it's religious. means it will command us with God's word. But kings, no, they are, it's just all political, right? That is why they simply say, kings judge us. Please, not priests. We want to be like a political system. Go out before us, lead us, fight our battles. It's about battles, that's all. You see, in their mind, they see other nations, they go out to battles, they conquer more land, and then they got more slaves, and then they, they have more money, and then it's just about that. They did not want to be a spiritual nation. Now, what is the application for ourselves, dear friends? Many of us, we do not care to be a spiritual individual. We just want to be like the world. We look at how our colleagues live. We look at how other mothers live. We look at how other fathers live. We look at how other singles live. We look at how other classmates live. It's just on the earthly plane, pursuing earthly things. We say, I do not want to be this kind of Christian. I just want to be like them, just earthly. That is all. But you are supposed to be a spiritual witness to them. Families do not care to be a spiritual witness. It's all about just, we want to be like other families. We want to live like other families, right? Whether it's our, our family model, whether it's um, what we have, what we possess, all we want is to be like them. That is all. And no matter what God's Word say, no matter what God sends people to say to you, in, in the book of Deuteronomy, God has already told them. Then in the book of now, hundreds of years later, right, in, in this book, in Samuel, God would tell them again and God would send their, a, a, a priest to tell them. No matter what you say, no. I don't want to be a spiritual witness. I don't care to be a spiritual witness. I just want to be like them. God took them out of Egypt. 
But the people would not take Egypt out of themselves. They would not. It's very much like us. God saved us out of the world, to be separate from the world, to be a light for Him. God took us out of the world. But we would not let God take the world out of us. It's the same. We have this motivation that constantly comes back to us to stir us. I want to be like them. Well, you may come to church outwardly. They still will say, well, we're not saying we won't worship God. But our, our, the crux of our life is we do not want to be a spiritual witness. That is all. We just want to live like them, pursue the things that they pursue, have what they have, adopt their culture, adopt their, their, their aims in life. Now, maybe you say, well, are we saying that we, we cannot work? The world works. We cannot have things. The world, we need to have things. Like I said in the beginning, it was not the problem of asking for a king. It's why they wanted this particular kind of king, to make them like the world. Now, there's nothing wrong with working. God expects you to work. If you don't work, then you don't eat. There's nothing wrong with studying. Right? We are expected um, to, to study, to um, be a witness, and not be lazy. All right? There's nothing wrong with positions at work. Now, all these are not wrong. There's nothing wrong in, in developing skills. But what is the problem? The question we have to ask and not fall into them, the sin that they fell into, what is my motivation? Why do I want this job so that I will be like the world? No, not that job, not this kind of job. This is the kind of job I want. Like I said, jobs are not sinful. Of course, there are some things that are outwardly sinful, right? Don't argue with me after this. There are some things that are outwardly sinful. We are, we are not supposed to pursue or seek after that. But there are many things in life, like in this case, having a king is not against God's will. But the problem is why? Why did they want this king? To make them like the world. That's the bottom line. I don't care whatever it is, Lord. Just let us be like the world. Positions are not sinful. If God has ordained, just like God ordained for them to have a king one day, it's not sinful. If God ordained that you will be a, cert a certain job, uh, be in certain job, um, doing certain things, uh, certain job positions, um, and, and promoted to certain roles and all that, now those are not sinful. But the problem is when we seek after that, to be like the world. Lord, at all costs, I want to be like the world. That is the problem. Is studying wrong? Of course not. All right? Studying helps you to understand things and to be able to study God's word. Studying is, education is not wrong. But students, I want to ask you this. Why do you study? Is it because you want to be like your friends who, are, who do very well, who are admired. Why? Studying is not evil. But what is your motivation? Now, what about, well, wanting to get married? It is also not sin. If it is God's will for you to be married, but it is why do you want to get married? It's always the motivation. Now, Israel had a clear identity to show to the world by the way they live. It was supposed to be a spiritual focus. Whatever they asked of God, whatever they desire in their life was always to be a spiritual nation, spiritual focus. Now, why do you, young people, teens, preteens, why do you want to dress a certain way? We even as adults, we take our cues, we take our directions from the world. We want to be like them, all right? So your dressing, your music, your marriage model, um, everything. Teens, why do you want to dress a certain way? Why do you want to buy this or buy that? You have to be honest in your heart. Is it because I want to be like my friends in school? That is all. Nothing to do with I want to be a godly witness. Nothing to do with that. Now, parents, likewise. 
Why do you put your children through anything in life? Because you want them to be like your friend's children. Like I say, please do not misunderstand me. Nothing wrong with, with certain skills and all that. All right? If there's not sinful things, nothing wrong. But the question is M, your motivation. Why? Well, because our relative children does that. Because my friend's children does that. Because the world is like that. This is important in the world. So I don't ask much. I don't think further. Lord, I just want my child to be like that. Now, even when God wants you, their hearts, their hearts will be taken away from me. Now, you must know yourself. What are the temptations that is unique to you? If those are the things, they may not be sinful, but then when you pursue it, when you ask God for it, you have to know, Lord, that is my weakness. Those are the problems that I have. Then ask very carefully, desire very carefully. And the moment it takes, it cools your heart's love for the Lord. The moment it, it cools your desire for the word, teens. The moment you, you say, Daddy, I want to do this. Daddy, I want to watch that. Daddy, I want to go there. Daddy, I want to have this. But the moment you know that those are the things that are making you less and less interested in being a spiritual teen, a godly adult for adults, it may not be sinful, but why do you want it? To be like them. To be like them. That is the motivation. The moment that is your motivation, you are on a downward slide. All right? You are going to resist. Resist. God's rule over you. It's just a matter of time. So parents, don't be foolish. You put your children through a lot of things. Put them through this, through that. You have to watch your own motivation. You have to watch when they are now becoming less and less wanting God's rule in their life. Less and less interested in coming to church to study the word, to pray, to fellowship with their friends here. You must immediately know a motivation problem is happening in their hearts. They want to be like the world. It's only going to get worse. Right? So let us watch our motivation for anything that we ask God in our life, even though they may be not sinful things. Now then, well, actually I want to ask teens, do you get upset when there are topics in church that deals with the things of the world that you want to have in order to be like your friends? Do you? Then you have to ask yourself, why, Lord? Why am I resisting all this? These things will make me spiritual or make me more carnal. You have to ask yourself that. If it's going to make you more carnal, more worldly, well, whatever it is, then, Lord, I do not want it. I want to be a spiritual witness for you. All right? Now then, if you don't watch this motivation, it leads to the ISS. All right? It will lead you to the ISS problem. Now, what is the I? What is the I? Now, firstly, it was not wrong for them to ask for a king, but their motivation was to be like the world. All right? Now, that led them to... Impatience. Impatience. How do we know that? You see, God intended them to have a king. No doubt about that. But the king that God wanted them to have was not born yet. It will be David, not Saul. They wanted it now. But David won't be born till at least about 10 years later. And God's intention for David to be king is when David was 30 years old. That is when David became king. Against all odds, David became king at 30 years old. That is the time God wanted his king, the king that will be after his heart. That was the king that God intended when God says, I will give you king. Christ will sit on the throne of a king, King David, that line. So having a king was God's intention. The eternal throne line. All right? Christ will be a king over his people. But not yet. Not yet. Now, how did they go on and on with Samuel? Samuel said, all these things will happen to you. You want a king, and you want a king that is like the world, 
Say, yes, we want it. We don't care if you want it. Now look at 1 Samuel chapter 8. Verse 21. And Samuel heard all the words of the people and rehearsed them in the years of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, hearken unto their voice and make them a king. And Samuel said unto the men of Israel, go ye every man unto his city. Go. All right, you want? Go. I will call you in time. You've made your demands clear. You have shown that you are not going to change your mind. And you want it. Now, instead of going to God and saying, God, now if their motivations were sincere, they would have said this, God, Samuel is old. God, their children are corrupt. God, you did mention a king to our grandparents before. Lord, when? Right? Now, we studied in, in Finding God's Will recently. Many of us just go ahead and say, Lord, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. We already are going to do it. Then we ask God for His will, for His will to help us, that's all. They've already made up their mind. They did not ask God, when? Who will it be? They say, God, we want this kind of king. We're not interested in who you want, Lord. What you, the whole long list that you gave us in Deuteronomy, we're not interested. We want a king like the world. The kind of kings that we see in our neighbours, we want that kind. That kind is not due yet, not born yet. Therefore, it is not God's timing, but they are impatient. I want it now. The person of God's choice was not yet. Now, what are the applications for us as well, dear Christians? Some things may be God's will for you. And even in those things, God has his timing. We need to learn to be submissive. Don't be impatient. Because the moment you are so driven to be like the world, it drives you to say, I just want it now. I just want it now. When, 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 when? That's it. You see, if you are submitted to God and you're not motivated to be like the world, you just want to be like God, you'll be very submissive. You just want, Lord, when? Lord, who? That is all. Later, oh, it's fine, because I only want to be like you. But because you have other motivations, then you want it now. Well, by way of application, young people, when you come out and work, there's nothing wrong with desiring skill sets, right? There's nothing wrong with desiring to join certain companies. There's nothing wrong with um, desiring to, um, to do certain things that are not sinful, right? Nothing wrong. But when your motivation is to be like the world, you will be impatient. You will begin to take things into your own hands, in this company, I don't think I will become what I want to be, like the world. My relatives, my colleagues, uh, my other friends, well, they're moving up in the corporate ladder. They are learning so many new skills. My skill set, uh, a bit dated. But you know, if I join another company, instantly I get promotion, I get extra pay. Instantly, they promise me to take, uh, to take this training, that training. I will learn about... AI, whatever is the big thing today, right? I will be moving forth in my knowledge, developing all these skills. You see, but the question always is this. Did you change job truly submitted to God? Or you just want to be like the other friends of yours to have their skill sets? And I say again, those skill sets may not be sinful. But now you will begin to take things in your hand. You will change jobs. You will change departments just to get what you want. Impatient. Even if God intended you to be this and be that and to have this and have that, God has his timing. I want new skills. I want new positions. And I want it now. Lord, I don't care whether you intended it for me or not. I'm going to change job. I'm going to join this company and that company. I'm not going to ask you, is this the job? Is this the time? But I'm simply going to say, God, I want this. That is all. Impatience 
is driven from that motivation. Now, by way of another application, what about possessions? God may want you to have certain things in life, and always remember, whatever that God wants you to have is always for, to help you to be a spiritual witness. All right? Always that. That's the reason why God gave anything to Israel, including the land, which is why God says, the moment you refuse to be a spiritual witness, the wheels are in motion to kick you out of the land because that's the only reason why I gave you the land. Certain positions, certain possessions may be God's intent for you in life. Well, maybe owning a property. Maybe that. Now, I hear very often Christian friends, and I hope this is not in any of our mentality. Christian friends saying to others, you know, until I am in this position, until I have um, this amount of money, until I fulfill my um, career um, dreams, until I own I have a house, and not just a, I have a house that look like the kind that I want, that is like the world, not this old kind of house. This is more than that kind of house. Until I have this, until I have a car, then I will have children. Then I will have children. That is the thinking. Now, God may desire to have, to have, to have you have certain things, but you cannot say, well, God, I am... I'm impatient. I want these things. And the things that I know I need to have after I get married is to have children. But I'll delay that. Right? I'll delay that. Delay, delay, delay. And finally, they miss. They miss God's blessing. Cannot have children already. These are the things that are very common today in Christendom. And sadly, sometimes I hear it here as well. Why are you having a child when you don't have a house? I don't know where that came from, but it began to spread in church. Now, whoever you are, you better change your thinking. You see, God may want you to have something, but Lord, I want it now, and I'm going to disobey you in other things. Don't rule over me in this. I'm not going to obey you until I have all these things in life. Possessions. Lord, I'm not going to live as I should be as a husband until I fulfill my career dreams. Lord, I'm not going to be a mother at home until I've... I've accomplished this and that. Now, all these things can also be when it comes to marriage. God may want you to be married, as I've mentioned earlier on. But when you are driven to be like the world, Lord, it's not about who you want, Lord. It's not about when you want, Lord. It's this one that I want, Lord. It's now that I want it, Lord. I want to get married now, and I want it to be this person. Lord, make it happen, Lord. You take things into your own hand and you marry the person that is not God's will for you. And worse, if it is not God's will for you to be married, and God says very clearly, if that is not God's will, singlehood is better. Better. In scriptures, it's a good thing. You will walk. Well, you basically take things into your own hand and you know what they say? You make a rash decision and then you can repent in leisure. The rest of your life, you just have to live in repentance. Different the consequences, which we will see later on, right? You'll be sorry. So now we learn the I, impatience, impatience. It's not, Lord, I submit to you, I wait for you, and I submit to whatever is your will for you. No, no, I want it. Because I want to be like the world. At all costs, Lord, I want it. At all costs. Now then we move to the S. Now, it, your motivation to be like the world, teens, adults, families, your motivation to be like the world will cause you, well, to be impatient, and impatience will also cause you to be stubborn. S, stubborn. Now, look at how they responded. Are you stubborn? Are you willful when it comes to submission to God? Look at how they answered in chapter um, chapter 8, now verse 19. Nevertheless, God's, God's word, very sad word to hear, never, 
nevertheless, no matter what God in His love, in His patience, in His goodness, tried to persuade them and send, and send uh, Samuel to persuade them and even tell them the details. Now, you know how, how patient God is? Let me ask you this. If someone rejects you outright, you're kind to the person, you want to help the person, you have nothing but good intentions towards the person. And the person says, I don't want to listen to you. I don't care. I don't want you to help me. When you know all the time, the only reason why the person is surviving is because of your help. And that is the only reason why, why Israel still survived at that time. God's patience and God's constant help to them, provisions to them. That was the only reason why Israel was still Israel at this point of time. But they said, God, I don't want you. I want king of the world. I don't want you. Right, parents, how hurtful it is. Sometimes children, um, they don't know better. And then you're trying to help them, you're trying to protect them, and then they push you away. I don't want you. I don't want you. And they're walking towards danger, and you still patiently go towards them, and then they kick you even. Children, I hope you never do that. Right? God is very angry when you do that. God expects you to honor father and mother. How, how hurt you are in your heart. God was going through this. Please know that. They blatantly said, God, we don't want you. But yet, but yet, God still patiently warned them. Patiently warned them. But God says, nevertheless, my people, nevertheless, verse 19, they refused to obey the voice of Samuel and said, no, no, the stubbornness, no. <laughs> Parents, you always say, don't keep saying no. It's stubborn boy, stubborn girl. No. You say, stop saying no. No, but we will have a king over us. We don't want you, God. Stubbornness, it leads to that, my friend. Now, after all the warnings, they say, no at all costs. Yes, you can tell us all this, we hear all this, but we are not going to listen to you, Samuel. We hear it, but we are not going to listen. No. Just stop it. Give me what I want. They will pay the cost later. Now, when we stubbornly keep thinking we know better, Lord, we know better. You see the other kings. Now, we have lost many battles. Lord, is it because we don't have kings? And Samuel, Samuel is old. How is he going to go out to battle with us? Other countries, they don't use priests to go out. They use, they use kings, young, strong, powerful kings. They use kings. Lord, maybe that's why we keep losing battle. We have to wait for you, right? So no, Lord. Now, we begin to think we know better. That is stubbornness. What is stubbornness? Stubbornness is someone explaining and telling you something, someone who is who's far more knowledgeable to you to tell you something and say, no, I don't believe it. I still believe this is better. That is stubbornness, right? Now, young person, when daddy and mommy warns you of things, they are people that have gone through life. Now, especially when they are godly people, all right? They've gone through life. They've seen people. They've seen things that you do not even understand yet. And when they tell you, do not, this is not good for you. Don't be stubborn. If it's godly advice, if biblical advice, don't be stubborn. This was Israel. God, no. God is infinitely wiser than them. You see the things that God described to them? God is telling them the future. God, when you learn that God is omniscient, and we just learned in Isaiah, what is omniscient? God is all-knowing. Everything, past, present, future, what is going to happen exactly to the dot. God is omniscient, means he knows. Then learn to trust him. Don't keep feeling that, Daddy and Mommy, you don't know. This, you, this is better for me. That is what they're saying. This is better for us. He will lead us. He will fight our battles, right? Now, same for adults. When God's word repeatedly show you again and again in God's patience, whether it's regarding your singlehood life, whether it's regarding um, your, your family, whether it's regarding teens, your friendships, your, 
um, your pursuits, your, what you secretly desire, all these things. Don't be stubborn, right? Respond. Now, you know, very often, young girls, they say, Daddy, I, you, you don't know. My friends are all right. Very often, their last, famous last words, they go party with them, they go out with them, they want to be like them. Basically, that's what it is, young person. You want to be like them. So you want to be accepted among them. You want to go to the parties that they go to. You want to dress like them. You want to um, um, be like them, all right? Your clothes, your hair, your, the way you talk, you want to be like them. And then, yeah, you become part of them. And very often, many of them fall into sin. Some of these young girls, they regret it for life, for life. For life, because they want to be like the world. Young men, the same. Be warned. Scriptures have many warnings about all these things. Lord, you don't know. It's, you, you don't understand, Lord. We live in different times. This is how friendships are. You know, premarital sex is fine, Lord. You get into all sorts of problems. You think you know better than God? Adults? God, I know what is better for my family. Believe in a different age, different times. How we bring up children. Lord, your ways are, are old-fashioned in the Bible. It doesn't work anymore. You don't understand children these days. Lord, you don't understand the work pressures this day. And what is important for us to get ahead in life? God, it's different now. So in your stubbornness, you just refuse to take counsel. And even when God sends you someone, you just dictate your terms to the person, no, this is what I'm going to do. I've made up my mind. That's it. Now, stubbornness is, is a very, very dangerous sin. Israel exhibited here, and later we are going to learn more about this stubbornness in their new king, Saul. Not the king that God wanted, all right? And they keep saying, we just want this kind of king. So God says, you want this kind of king? I will give you this kind of king. Now, stubbornness. So don't keep thinking, I know better. You know the hymn writer wrote, um, Oh, Jesus, I've, I've promised, right? He says, Oh, let me feel thee near me. The world is ever near. I see the sights that dazzle, the tempting sounds I hear. My foes are ever near me, around me and within. But Jesus, draw thou nearer and shield my soul from sin. What wonderful words. No, instead of saying, Lord, I want to be like the world, this hymn writer said, the world is ever around me. And, and all these things, they're attracting me. I want to be like them. All the tempting sounds I hear, the music, the movies, that's all these things that I see, the glitter, the way they dress, their acceptance, their, um, how they climb the corporate ladder, the, the jet-setting life. Lord, all these things I see, and my heart is moving. But what does he say? But Jesus draw down nearer. The children of Israel, God, go away. We want to cut you out of all this. Just give us the king that we want. And he rule us the way we want. And he don't tell us all these biblical things. We do not want to be a spiritual nation. We stubbornly say that. But this hymn right here is, teaches us how we should respond when we are stubborn. Jesus, draw down nearer. Stay close, not get lost. Right? Now, when you tell your parents, or you tell the pastor, just get lost in your mind. Don't tell me anymore. I've made up my mind. You're basically telling God, look here, it said, and they would not, they refuse to obey the voice of Samuel. You know, this is the way of God talking in the Bible very often. When God was the one who gave the exact words, and God told Samuel, they have not rejected you, they have rejected me. The bottom line is that. Our stubbornness is that. All right? Now, then the last one. Now, the last S. Selfishness. Selfishness. It leads you to selfishness. First, you want to be like the world. Then, you will be impatient. And then, you will be stubborn. And eventually, selfishness will come out. Now, what is their requ not request? Now, what's their demand? For Samuel chapter 8, and it says that our king, our king, you know, not Israel's king. Israel is the nation that belongs to God, but our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. 
Now it's all about them. God is not about your nation. It's not about what you want. It's not about what battles you want us to fight or not fight. Now it's, this king is ours. He does what we tell him. And he will lead us. We want him to go where, what battles you want to fight. He will lead us. It's our battles. What you want to pursue, what you want to gain, what you want to get. Now it's about what I want. All the selfishness just burst forth. No more shame. Now Israel was in a covenant with God. When they asked for a, our king and fight our battles, they are basically saying, God, we do not want to be in covenant with you. I hope you remember what is a covenant. Israel is God's covenantal people. And in, even so far, we keep seeing the capital L-O-R-D, which is God's covenantal name. Covenant means it's between parties. So when they reject God, don't be in this anymore, Lord. We just want our king. We don't want you to judge us. He's saying, we don't want you in this party. Covenant involves purpose. There's a purpose in covenant. God said, I call you out of Egypt to make you my witness. That's my purpose. We say, God, it's not your purpose anymore. It's our battles. What we want Israel to be, what we want Israel to conquer, how far we want Israel to live, is up to us. God, we are not here to do out your purpose. And that is terms and condition in the covenant. Right? God's law, God's rules. God is the suzerainty party, right? the higher party. So God dictates the term. No, we don't want you to dictate the term. So don't make priests to be judged over us. We do not want priests to judge us anymore. We want earthly kings to judge us. We don't want your terms and conditions. So effectively, Israel is selfishly now saying, you took us out of Egypt, you protected us, you made us what we are today, but God get lost. Now we want everything for ourselves. Now that is what it is when we want to be like the world. At the end of the day, Lord, we do not want to be your witness. Just, just leave my family alone. Just leave my personal single, heart, single life alone. Just leave me alone. God, I, want, I have my purpose, I have my desires, I'm going to pursue that. God, nothing to do with you anymore, Lord. Now we learned this morning, gospel is not just being saved from the penalty of sin. It's also God saving you from the power of sin so that you will live for him. But now they became selfish. Now what are the things that now this selfishness cause? Now, we must search our own hearts. We say, no, I, I, I'm not like that. I, I, I'm not so selfish. I, I, I don't want to really be like the world. Go search our hearts. Now, look at chapter 8. How is it like? Look at chapter 8. Now, after from verses 11 to verses 17, he said, now, he will take. Remember just now, I read repeated word of take. Verse 11, he will take your sons. Um, verse, verse 13, he will take your daughters. Verse 14, he will take your fields. And then take your olives, uh, vineyard. Then verse 15, take the tenth. And then verse 16, take your men servants and your, and your good leaders. Then verse 10, he will take the tenth of your sheep. Take, 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 right? He will take. He will take means you must give. Understand that. And what was the answer? We don't care. We don't care. To be like the world, whatever it will cost us, we will take what God gives us and give it to this king. Everything that they have is from God. I said, we don't care. He will take all this. Never mind, he will take. Well, even if... I'm complaining about well, one tenth, what well, tithing is so difficult. He will take some another tenth. We don't care. We want it. We don't care if we take our children, take our energies, take our best, take everything that we labor and then give it to them. Take. Never mind. As long as I can be like the world, take. Take. How selfish. Everything that they have from God, they say, take. Well, take it as long as you make me look like you and I can live like you, be like you in my singlehood life, in my marriage life, in my children's life, as long as I can be like you all, what do you want? What is the cost? I'm willing to pay it. Get lost, Samuel. Leave us alone. Do you, yeah, you tell them, you tell me the king would take all this from us? That's the price I'm willing to pay. Now, is it not our lives? I don't care. We are very ready. We are very ready to live to the demands 
of our job pressures, but not pressure of serving God. We are very ready to give of our money, our time, our energies, our best, of our best, whether ourselves or our children. To be like the world, we are willing to give it to the world. We give the best of our time. We give the best of our energies, our, our, our capabilities that God gives us. We are ready to give it to the world, to be like them, to climb the corporate ladder. Now, like I said, there's nothing wrong for, about promotion if it is God's will for you. But to climb the corporate ladder, now, even if it's God's will for you, you say, but I will sacrifice my service in church, my spiritual work, my study of the word. Well, you know, I will give up FEBC course before I even think about giving up pursuing this, this path of career. Bosses, you know, you want to take over this department, you will have all this, but you know, you, there'll be more commitment and all that. Yes, boss. No consideration. Am I going to take what God gave to me, my time, my energies and all that, and give it to the world in order to be like my colleague? I don't care. Even if it takes all this from me, parents, you don't care. If you put your children to one program after another, and then they get so tired, they struggle to stay awake in church. But no, take this, take that. I'm willing to give off their energy. You know, they're so good, you know, God gave them talents. Yes, they're very good. They're very talented. But you abuse it. Take, take the world. Take as long as you make my child like what I want my child to be like in the world. I don't care. Just take. Just take. See how selfish they were. Everything that was given to them was to make them a spirit, was to be used to help them to be a spiritual witness, a spiritual family. But say, take. Use it. Use it. Now, I'm not saying do not work hard at work. It's our testimony to make sure that we fulfill all righteousness. We are not saying don't study hard. It is your duty to fulfill all righteousness. But don't use the excuse. Lord, I want to glorify you with good results. Lord, I want to glorify you with a very clever kid and very well accomplished in this world child. Now, if you're sincere, yes. It's fine if it's God's will. But most of us, we have to search our hearts. Lord, I want to glorify you with good results. It does not glorify God. If, you, if your Christian friends or your friends know, doesn't go to church, is worldly, well, just only about getting good results, doesn't share the gospel with me, doesn't live a godly life, not interested in church, what kind of testimony? See, Israel was like that. We just want to be like them. The spiritual testimony part, we are not bothered. So don't fool yourself. You are just being selfish. You use all the talents that God gave you, students, to glorify yourself. But you say, I want to get good results to glorify God. So daddy and mommy, I won't go to church this week, next week, and whatever the week. To glorify God, to be a shining testimony. Parents, it's not a super high achiever kid, or even a high achiever kid, or even an achiever kid. It is what kind of spiritual life they have. That is what glorifies God. So don't kid yourself. Don't be selfish and use all the things that God gave you for that. Now I hear parents, Christian parents say, what? My daughter, she got this degree and multiple degrees and what? What? Be a housewife after they have children is a waste. I want them to use all this to be this and that. I spend all the money on them. What? To, to be a housewife? What is a housewife? What is a keeper at home? The most glorious task that God can give a woman when he gives you a child. The most glorious task to influence a life, to be a spiritual witness, to create by his help an individual that will be a godly seed for the church, that will be a godly person in the church to do God's work, that will spawn another generation of godly um, children. You think that is something that is a waste of time? You see, we want to be like the world. That is why we say it's a waste. We take God's thing and give it to the world and we say it's not a waste. That is what they are. You give, 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 give. You complain. You complain that um, um, uh, Samuel's children took bribes. Now, I'm not saying it's right, but their complaint was they took. But you're willing to let this king take, 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 take for his, 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 his. And you say, yes, we want it. You see how when we want to be like the world, we will be so selfish we will use everything that God gives us, take, 
take, will take as long as I can be like the world. The selfishness of not wanting to live out their covenantal purpose. You know, another selfishness is this. You destroy your family. Fathers, in order to achieve your goals, your career goals, you would give and give and take what God gives you and give and give to the world to get what you want to be like the world and then you neglect your duties as a spiritual father hid at home. You give. You're selfish. You let your family, your children go down the drain spiritually. Not a spiritual family. Yes, great achievements in this world. God says, well, you will. Now we come to the last S. <laughs> right? So it's M I S S S. It's M I S S. But this S is a miss and it's very sad. Right? We learn you want to be like the world, you'll be S. Sorry. You'll be sorry. So it's a very big miss. All right? Triple S miss. Don't be sorry. Look at your Bibles. Now he said, and ye shall, verse 18, and ye shall cry out in that day because your king, which ye shall have chosen you. See, your choice. The Lord will not hear you in that day. Don't expect God to hear you. You'll be sorry. You will cry, first thing. You will cry. You see, they don't even care that they will cry. It doesn't even sink into them. We will be sorry. No, we don't care. We won't be sorry. You say, God says, you will cry. Now, actually, they will cry. We will learn this in chapter 12. They will cry because of this. They cried to God. God, we are so sorry. We made a foolish choice. They will cry. Later on, we will learn that. He said, you will cry. Now, many cry when it's too late. But at that point, when you just want to be like the world, God's word tells you you will be sorry. To want to do that. To want to continue in that. To not choosing the best. You will be sorry, but you don't believe it. Now, you know, many, many parents, they want their child to be this and this and that and this and that. And whatever God gave to the child as talents and all that, they will let the world take it, right? Today, there are everything that they want their child to be in this world. Everything, even more, more successful as many unbelievers' children but they're not in church. They hardly want to talk about God. They claim to be Christians. They just claim, that's all. Many parents are very sorry now. They are better, more like the world, more than they can ever imagine. But because they gave their child to the kings of the world, they got what they want. Now, God is saying, hear them, hear them. Now, look at verse 7. The Lord said unto Samuel, hearken unto the voice of the people. In all that they say, hear them. And look at verse 22. And the Lord said unto Samuel, hearken unto your voice and make them a king. Listen to them. Give them what they want. You know, sometimes when God says that it's the worst thing, we will be the most sorry person when, you, when God says, listen to them and give them what they want. This is one situation where it is God's mercy when God holds things back from you. It's God's mercy when he says no. It's God's mercy when he don't give it to you. But when God says, all right, you keep asking and you've made up your mind and you want to be like the world as an individual, as a family, I will give you what you want. What you want, huh? not what God wants. I will give it to you. The most sorry thing, they see everything that they want their child to be, they are more than that. But now they regret now, teens, I mentioned earlier on, you want to be like the world. You want, you want. God say you will cry one day. But you say, no, I won't. I know God. And then you get it, you're so happy. They were very happy. All right? They got, whoa, we finally got it. But for the next 30 to 40 years, they suffered under Saul. They, everything that God intended as a blessing was gone during that period. They missed all the blessings. You want to get married? I will just get married. Marriage is not evil. Please know that. But I'm just going to go ahead. Well, you can repent in, in leisure, as I mentioned earlier on. When it is not God's will, when it is not God's timing and not God's person. Now, 
Satan is a merciless taskmaster. The world is an unloving taskmaster. God made it very clear. But they still want to have all this and they have decades of irrecoverable losses. Sometimes it will be too late. Do not miss God's blessing. God knows what is best. All the details that God gave them. Saul did many of them. Fulfilled many of them. They suffered. God knows best, my friend. Your family model, your singlehood life, your student life, God knows best. Obey God. Now, in closing, I say, many Christians, for the sake of their career, their lifestyle, to possess things that they want, to pursue things that they want, and they feel that they, they know better than God, and they stubbornly say, I want to do it, they miss God's blessing. Well, don't be motivated like the world to be like the world. Don't be impatient to take things into your hand. Don't be stubbornly ignoring God's warnings and push ahead. Don't selfishly use what God gives to you to fulfill your purpose rather than to be a spiritual witness just to be like the world. You will eventually regret. Be like the world. We will be sorry. If you see in the case of Israel, don't let it fulfill in our lives. Let God be your vision. Tell God, Lord, the things of the world, they no longer attract me. I want to be like you, not like the world. Let us rise to sing the closing hymn, 386. Let us rise, the closing hymn, 386.